grad student. Welcome to the penultimate episode of the Dear Grad Student Podcast, Season 1. I never thought I'd be one of those people with seasons, and I probably won't actually separate the podcast into seasons on your podcast app, but it just feels extremely legit to say season, so I'm rolling with it. Also, I just got to actually use the word penultimate in a sentence, and that just feels like an honor and a privilege, so thank you. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, next week's episode is the finale of the first season of the Dear Grad Student Podcast. Plus, it will include a shout-out to all podcast patrons and a shout-out to the new podcast Transcript Wizard, of course, made possible by patron contributions. If you would like to be included in the list of people that I owe my life to and who help fund the website and transcripts and merch and more on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash student. But anyways, no one wants to hear me go on and on in this intro. No, you would much rather hear me go on and on during the episode. So let's get to it. Today's episode is all about a day in the life with incoming fourth year PhD candidate Guillermo Sanchez. Hello listeners, welcome back to Dear Grad Student, the podcast where grad students can come together to celebrate, commiserate, and support one another through this long and difficult journey. I'm Alana, I'm a fourth-year doctoral student and your host, and I'm joined today by a fourth-year PhD student studying human development through human stem cell-derived organoids, Guillermo Sanchez. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that we could make it work. Yes, me too. I'm super glad we could make this work. Well, for today's Day in the Life episode, I want to start it off like I start out all of my episodes, and I want to shout you out on social media. I want to remind the people where they can connect with you, where they can follow you. So where can the people find you online? Mostly on Twitter. Yeah. I have two accounts, but let's keep it to the science one. It is Guillermo with a zero instead of an O, Sanchez with no E, because the other ones were taken. Do you want to spell that? Yeah, so G-U-I-L-L-E-R-M-0-S-A-N-C-H-Z. Got it. And of course, everyone listening who's been listening all season, y'all will know it will be linked in the description. So if you don't want to spell that out, which is fine, you just scroll down, you just click his name. And you'll be taken there. It's a really beautiful process. So everybody listening, go ahead and give Guillermo a follow online. But let's jump right into this episode. I know what you researched because we talked about it very slightly at the very beginning. But I said a lot of big words when we started the episode here. And uh, I don't know what they all mean, even though I did take a human development biology class. Somewhere my professor is like, what do you mean you don't remember, Alana? We absolutely talked about this, but it's fine. Shout out to the professor for listening. Hey, shout out. He's definitely not. We did not get along, but it was a great class. So (laughs) tell me a little bit about what you research and why you research that thing. So my project or my lab's work focuses on modeling uh, human development using induced pluripotent stem cell organoids. We have been one of the pioneer labs in generating different organoids for different organs. We were the first ones to come up with the intestinal organoids, gastric wow. organoids, esophageal organoids. So, you know, first huge step is to get those to model development. Um, now, what we're getting into is how to apply and how to use this model for 
important questions in health. So my project focuses on intestinal organoids and figuring out how enteroendocrine cells, which are specialized cells that absorb and sense nutrients and res uh, respond by secreting hormones that communicate to, you know, pancreas, brain, whatever. Sure. How are these cells first developed and also how are they different? And what makes them secrete one hormone versus the other? Is it because different nutrients are being ingested? Is it because there's different cells neighboring that uh, there's some parkin signaling there? Or is there a different transcriptional network? So it is a pretty big question. I'm trying to focus on a couple aspects of that, um, but mainly using iPSC-derived organoids, which can actually recapitulate pretty accurately, you know, human development. Yeah. Okay, so then I have this question because this is going to sound kind of dramatic. It sounds like you're looking to study the behavior of organs through development. Like why are they doing the things that they do? Yeah. It's yeah. a very psychologist so, take on it, but No, no, it's, and I mean if we if we want to link it to psychology like hey. you know serotonin is very popular nowadays. Oh, I know all about like her. A, yeah. a huge, I know a huge her very topic. well. Yes. So for example, if you look at different diets can affect secretion of serotonin from your intestine. Mm -hmm. And that's done by, that secretion is done by these interendocrine cells that haven't been really well studied. Like it's become very, a little bit more popular in the last three, four years. But before people really didn't know about it, it's very, as a rare cell, it's like 1% of the intestinal epithelium only, but they have a huge role communicating your gut with your brain, your gut right. with your pancreas, anything. So basically yeah. trying to trying to get a functional studies using these model systems. Yeah, and well and so for people outside of biology or psychology, this like brain to gut sort of conversation, that relationship is like the big sexy thing right now. And I do immune system and psychology. So there's a lot of people in my area of research who are really picking up on this big thing. And I mean, you see it everywhere on social media, unfortunately. It's like pop health where people are like, mm -hmm. it's this. And like, they don't really know what it is, but they're right in the sense that there is communication between the gut and the brain. But I also like that you brought it into talking almost like about depression, right? Because we know that in some people, I'm wanting to make sure I say this right, change in diet can change depression symptoms, right? And part of it is exactly what you're talking about. And the question becomes, well, can we target this a little bit more? Um, and I also think it raises the question of like SSRIs and maybe side effects they're having in our gut that we don't know about. Not that they're harmful, but changes that are happening that we could learn more about, for example. It's interesting when you first brought this up, because what my mind went to immediately, and like, I'm only half ashamed of this, but I'm a really big fan of Grey's Anatomy. And, uh, there's a few episodes where they use science that doesn't actually exist yet because it's a television show where they will use stem cells or they use something to like grow an organ. And so at first I was like, are you talking about like you can go from stem cells to a fully functioning esophagus to use in transplants? But it doesn't sound like that's what you're talking so, about. Yeah, you know, we can go from we go from stem cells to whatever organ mm -hmm. we are studying. It can get pretty big wow. so right now we can transplant it to a mouse kidney capsule because the mouse kidney is a great uh source for blood so then wow. you can transplant it there and it grows becomes vascularized however it does not have any contact with the actual 
uh, mouse intestine. So there isn't really uh, any digestion going on. Mm. But morphologically, it does grow and mature. But obviously, the next goal is to, you know, at some point, transplant it to humans. Right. And it would be like, the, to put it in very, very basic terms would be to use organoids not to you know replace an intestine for another intestine but maybe if there's some sort of injury kind of patch it up right like i think of like crohn's disease or right exactly exactly right cause damage internally or like an accident yeah right i think about like how we can replace valves with like pig valves well wouldn't it be cool if this valve could be replaced by like uh, sort of lab-made organoid because right. I mean that just saves more lives it's probably I don't know if it's more or less expensive but I mean we think about how many people need organ donation and it's kind of an exciting field to think that you know maybe 50 years from now we're we're talking about full-blown organs that can be right. I hate to say grown in the lab because that makes it sound like very weird and sci-fi but mm-hmm. Just talking about like maybe people don't have to die for organs to be donated. I mean, I know that's not always the case. Like kidneys can be donated whenever, but you know what I mean? Like it it may be more sustainable or something or just get more people off the list. So very cool. I feel like all of a sudden, I just like imagine like the most futuristic science is happening in your yeah, life. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that would be impressive if you can if you can make that in a lab. Because, for example, I mean, and I'm going to talk about the intestine because that's what I study. But right, right, right. The, the limiting step here is kind of having not only the tube shape, right, but then having a system where you can consistently have nutrients go through, but at the same time have nutrients that are not just for the functionality of the intestines, so the digestion process, but have nutrients to allow those cells to stay alive. Right. Well, and I think about, I don't know why this made me think of it, but like, like face transplants are like the new thing that people are able to do. And essentially what you have are the right materials, but the nerves don't always immediately connect. Yep. So there's a lot of loss of movement. Well, if that's the intestine and you have loss of movement, you have a big problem. Right. Because it's not just facial expressions. It becomes like literal digestion, absorption of nutrients, pooping, you know, all the important things in life. Right. So that's really interesting. Yeah. So I feel like I have that comparison of like, I've seen that. Or like if someone like cuts off their finger by accident Mm -hmm. and then they reattach it and then they have a lot less mobility. It's like you would be even a step behind that because if you cut off, if your own finger got cut off and put back on, it's at least the same nerves, Mm -hmm. which have done the same things your whole life trying to do it again, as opposed to like an intestine that's never worked as an intestine trying to do it for the first time. Yeah. Like, that's a lot. So right. obviously science is not there, but a girl can dream. Maybe one day. Oh, I mean, yeah, we, we are all dreaming about that, honestly. Yeah. Well, now that we know that you're a mad scientist in the best way, let's talk a little bit about life as a grad student. So what do you do day to day? I mean, like I said, what you do sounds very cool <laughs> and very impressive. But me feeling like that's probably what my science sounds like on the outside and my day to day is pretty boring. <laughs> what is your day actually like as a grad student? What do you do? I mean, when you dissect the day to day, probably will get boring as yeah. well. <laughs> Every day, weekends, holidays and all. There's tissue culture work with induced pluripotent stem cells. You need to you need to be there every day for them. So that that's probably you know a third of my day most days, just because having to time the different processes like the differentiations and and having to maintain the stem cell lines. But after that is mostly trying to analyze fully grown organoids, uh, looking for specific markers that. I, I want to target either 
because of the region or because of the cell type. I, I also do, I'm trying to do some secretion uh, assays so to, to make sure that there's some hormones being secreted after you expose them to glucose, for example. And then, you know, trying to analyze, trying to keep up with the literature. So I, I think it gets kind of repetitive, yeah. but it's, it's just trying to, to keep track of all the different lines, what the different organoids are, trying to analyze the different uh, sets of staining that you've done, either to look at a specific marker for a cell type, or if you want to look at just quantifying for patterning. Overall, I think, I think it's pretty exciting stuff when it comes yeah, together, sure. but the, the behind the scenes can be... Yeah, it's like a buildup. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's really interesting hearing you talk because I was having this realization that I've had other people who do wet lab work who have come on mm-hmm. the podcast, and it's really interesting how people can be in totally different areas. But the second you're working with cells, life starts looking pretty similar. Yeah. Your job is to keep them alive. And then when they die, you get annoyed because you lose six days of work or whatever it might be. Yeah. And then you have to deal with it again. And I know with stem cells especially, they're expensive. And so it's probably also a funding thing. Like It sounds like you have a lot to keep track of. I'm sure you're very organized within the lab of keeping track. No, you're not. You're shaking your head. Very human of you. I love that. But you probably have more to keep up with than I do in terms of like... Mm day-to-day because I'm not keeping cells alive. I just go and interview older adults over 60 years old and like I'm offered like a cookie and lemonade twice a day. You know what I mean? Like it's very... I don't think your cells are offering you cookies and lemonade, which is like fine. If they ever do though, let me know because I would love to Yeah, that would be impressive. That would be incredible. Forget working as intestines. Here's some... Right, yeah. Guaranteed paper. (laughs) So, exactly. So, you know, it is... It does suck a little bit that it sounds like even on holidays there has to be some checking, right? Even if it's like just go in, make sure they're alive or someone's doing it, even if it's not you. I mean, I like it though because it gives me... A, a kind of like a structure it forces me to start my day um oh. in college i would literally wake up on a sunday at 12 and not move till two and then try hey, don't to figure call me out, out like that <laughs> and then try to figure out like okay what am i gonna do with the nine hours that i have left right but now because i have to check on lab stuff if you know there's either uh, i have people that like hey let's go get lunch let's do something mm-hmm. now i know that two hours before that, I have to be in the lab, take care of that, and then wow. go. So it does give me a bit of structure so that I don't just kind of waste days. And, you know, it's sometimes I do enjoy just going to the lab and then coming back home and then doing nothing for the yeah. rest of the day. But it's never like I'm not going to leave the house because I have nothing to do. Right. Even if I have nothing to do, I have that. So I leave the house and then maybe get a coffee or just go to Kroger or whatever. Yeah. Uh, not a sponsor, but whatever. Right, right. A, not sponsored by Kroger. <laughs> so I think that that's so interesting that you've said this because I've had a lot of people come on and they're like either they're in wet lab work or they left and their number one complaint is like you have to be in the lab all the time. But it's really interesting to hear your perspective that actually it adds a lot of structure. And I do relate to that because I actually feel like the podcast has done that for me. Mm-hmm. I have, I like release an episode every week. So I'm like, I, ha- I have things to do every week for it. And I kind of structure my day around it. And really, I structure my work around it because I'm really strict with work hours so that the podcast doesn't creep into PhD work and PhD work doesn't creep into podcast time. So they're both balanced. But it also makes me feel like taking care of yourselves reminded me of like, when I got cats <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I have to feed them every day. And if I don't, 
they yell at me. So right. I have to feed them every day at the same time. And like they have needs. I know that sounds weird. I know your cells aren't pets, but it's like they you are. almost don't mind. Right. Maybe they are. Yeah. You almost don't mind the structure because like you're taking care of this thing that you care about that's alive. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it, yeah, there could be days where I just wouldn't leave. But then now I, I you know, I've got to get dressed, go to right. lab. Right. So it, it just gives me the day. Like yeah. the weekends are more than just uh, being isolated in the house. And sometimes that helps, especially when the weather is good. You know, just yeah. getting out is nice. Yeah, I feel like I would almost benefit from that structure. I feel like once I'm out, I'm good. Yeah. But like if I don't leave, I really could just stay inside and play video games for 12 exactly. hours and not even feel it. I'd be like, this is fine. But it's like, probably not after a long time. Right. So then this reminds me of my next question, which is that if you know, you're going to the lab regularly, I like hearing that like it might start your day, but you can still go home and do nothing if that's where you're at. What is like a weekday? Like what are your hours? You know, when are you typically getting to the lab? When are you typically heading home? Or does it vary? I try to keep it consistent for the most part. Yeah. I try to get there between 8 and 8.30. And Reasonable. then usually leave between 5.30 and 6. Okay. However, I mean, if my boss is listening, shout out. But <laughs> I, you know, I will take, you know, a little bit longer of lunch or just go get coffee with other grad students. Like, it depends on that. You know what I mean? And yeah. there's days where I'm literally just feeding the cells another day and have nothing else to do. Sure. So I'll do an I'll do some analysis. I'll do, I'll do some Excel, some computer work and, and try to read or whatever. But there are some slow days. But I try to keep the hours consistent just because, like I said, if I come back here, I probably won't focus on anything. So yeah. might as well be there. Yeah, you have mentioned two things I relate to. One, you have mentioned my favorite part of grad school, which is the flexibility. Yeah. You know, if you want to take a longer lunch with someone, if you run into someone in the hallway, it does give you the space to engage with that. Or if you're having a slow day, sort of, as I said in episode one, choose your own adventure. You kind mm -hmm. of figure out, okay, what do I want to spend my time doing? And the other thing you mentioned is that working at home sucks and you can't focus. <laughs> I have really had to force myself because my office at school, the way that grad students have offices is it's like one giant room with like a couple of fake shorter walls. I mean, they're yeah. full, like... They are, you know, this is a, a room that's like two stories high and then the fake walls are about one story high. So they're separation, but you hear everything in everyone's little square and there's like a couple cubicles in each. So COVID, of course, being airborne, like you don't want to go to your mm -hmm. big open air office. So I have been working at home, even though I'm fully vaccinated for many months now. And I've had to like force myself to learn how yeah. to do it, but it sucked the first couple months because I, I focus better when like everything around me is like academic. I'm like, oh, I'm in the yeah. headspace. And then at home, I'm not, and it sucks. So I very much relate to what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, when when uh, we started getting back, we got an email like, who would like to, you know, be considered essential? I'm, yeah, I'm in. Like, it, <laughs> you're it, like me, I'm essential, get me out of here. Yeah, I mean, the numbers were higher than ever, uh, but I'm like, I'm in, I gotta go yeah. back. And, yeah. and I just did. And I mean, pretty much since May last year, we've been Wow. So I was definitely on the earlier side of things, but I couldn't do much at, at home. I was trying to learn like some computational stuff mm -hmm. um, and try to write a review, but that, that only, you can only do that for so long. Sure. And like, that's actually really interesting because I was able to do like my research visits over the phone. And I had a lot of writing to do and I had time to do it all of a sudden. So yeah. it's really interesting like how that shift happened. And so I'm also curious 
hearing about what your day is like, hearing that you really like the structure that checking on the cells gives for you. What's your favorite part about being a grad student? I honestly like, like you mentioned, the flexibility first, you know, and just kind of deciding what your day is going to look like. Obviously, there's going to be things that because of timing, whatever you have to do on a specific day. But having the flexibility to say, you know what, I'm just imaging for eight hours today, which might be terrible. But (laughs) if you just want to sit in the confocal room and just take pictures for four hours, you can do that. If you want to just read, catch up on reading, you can do that. If you want to write, you can do that. If you just want to, you know, set up multiple things in the tissue culture room, do that. And also um, coming up with the ideas, like you, you see a little bit, a little piece of data and then you're like, I don't know if this is real or not, but if it's real, I can do this. If it's not, then I can do that. Like yeah. just kind of having the different steps along the way where you can figure it out and try to get to the next, the next question. Because everything that you show, if it's not something that has been already shown or it's just some kind of quality control thing, opens up a new question. So I like that. Just kind of like the chase. Yeah. Ooh, the chase. Ooh, I really like that. I was thinking, you know, you've really spoken to like the creativity part of grad school, where it's interesting how many, I don't know if you think you're a creative person, but it's interesting how many researchers are creative people. Because at some point when you have, you know, certain results or you have this chase, you kind of have not really free range, that's really more PIs, but you kind of have this like free creative range of like, thinking of ideas and how this fits in with things and what could be next. And like, it's just really interesting because you kind of have to be creative to be a researcher. And I really think that speaks to that. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a creative. Like I used to, you know, when I was little, I took piano lessons, guitar lessons. None of them lasted. Right, right, right. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, growing up now, uh, like I wish I I had stuck yeah. to one of those things, yeah. or uh, like painting or whatever. I mm. I don't do any of that. I honestly watch sports and uh, same. Think I'm funny on Twitter. Like that's all. That's oh as gosh. creative as it gets. We have so much in common. I also watch sports and I also think I'm funny on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So is that creative? Like coming up with tweets? I think so. Maybe, but and it's so I think that that's also great. Of like, I think the chase is such a good way to describe it because it's kind of like that adrenaline rush, right? Yeah. You find something. It's like, well, what's the next thing to find? What's the next thing to find? So thinking about all of that, then what do you wish? that you knew because you're about to be a fourth year. Sorry. I know that that probably sounds awful Uh, because that means you started the, you started when you were a second year with the pandemic and you're about to be a fourth year, which is like gross. (laughs) What do you wish you knew before? Maybe I would say like take more advantage of, of rotations Mm. um, at the beginning of, of grad school. I thought that it was such a great opportunity to really explore, but as probably many graduate students or incoming graduate students, it's like a little bit of, I don't want to say fear, but a little bit of kind of caution with picking rotations because maybe you want to kind of stay with something you're a little bit comfortable so you don't look completely clueless. Ah. But at the same time, that's what rotations are for. Like no one is supposed to to really know. And there's going to be some things that are going to translate. Like everybody does some sort of tissue culture. Everybody does some sort of pipetting or running gels or whatever. But because of the worry that you're not going to look clueless if, if you explore something completely different um you don't pick a rotation that might be interesting and that might have been the best fit for you like when i came in there was no way that if someone asked like would you work in the intestine for five years and i was like yeah but then here i am so that that's probably the main thing 
Yeah. And, and you know, it's so interesting. I've talked about this in previous episodes that not all grad students do rotations. I got into my lab yeah. for grad school and that was it. And I think it's interesting because I think of the interview process for psychology as the like the rotation thing. You don't do anything for the lab, mm. but you kind of you meet all these different PIs and it's like, all right, what do I want to do for five or six years? And I've heard from multiple people that the rotation time, I do think it sounds a little bit like fear, like you are choosing the thing right? You're in this program. Suddenly you have limited options and it's like, what's going to be my thing? I need to pick this. I want to feel secure. I want to know what the hell I'm doing. And like, you're just looking for stability. So I think it's probably a little fear-based. And to think about like using it like an opportunity, I can't think of a grad student who isn't thinking about that years after picking their lab. Do you know what I mean? Where they like, not that they would have chosen differently, but that they would have maybe approached it or been less fearful or been more open-minded, even if it would have meant they chose the same lab. It's just such a weird time. I mean, I think back to myself as a first year, I wasn't ready to make decisions for the rest of my grad school career, you know, but you have to. So it's like, you're kind of stuck. So yeah, you've been admitted to the program, but then you have to do this eight-week interview (laughs) in a lab. And then if like, for whatever reason, let's say you drop a beaker and it breaks and you're like, oh, you're out. Am I out? Or the cells die? I'm like, oh, am I Rolled out? Off the island. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so, and also not not only that, but then maybe after I knew what lab I was gonna pick, uh, maybe do an extra one just just for fun, like just try a, a different model organism. Like, I mean, I kind of did that. I did a, a rotation with zebrafish just because Ooh. I work with zebrafish, and wasn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's but I tried it, so I it was an extra, you know, six weeks that. Yeah, I just learned something new and still decided to go back to to the lab I'm in now. So I, I've always said I think one of the best ways to figure out what you like is figuring out what you don't like. Yeah. And I think the other thing is that even if like zebrafish weren't your thing, there are probably research skills that you can apply to any area of research that you learn just by being in that lab. Because yeah. every PI does things a little bit differently, so you just you just like naturally gain something from working with additional people like right off the bat so i think that that is really good advice and i want to take us all the way back now why a phd why did you choose grad school for yourself how did you get here i mean how far back you want to go how far back is relevant (laughs) (laughs) you know the lord made uh the skies and the earth and um no but that's right and said get a mobile go to grad school (laughs) right yeah all at the same breath yeah, I was born on the second day, actually. Uh, <laughs> it was a huge day for the Lord. Big day. <laughs> so I'm originally from Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was born and grew up there. I came to the U.S. when I was 15 to do like a high school exchange thing. And uh, I went to college, safe for college, and now I'm in grad school. But when I went to college, I thought I was going to go to med school, like many, many bio many. majors do. Yep, same. And then I was like, I don't really want to study for the MCAT because I saw (laughs) like literally starting on their second year, Mm -hmm. just like weekends going on like to to like workshops on Saturdays from like nine to two to study for the MCAT. And I was like, yeah, probably don't want to do that. Yeah. And in my mind, like for another year or so in my mind, I was like, I'll still study and still do okay. Uh, Turns out I didn't. study uh and uh ended up kind of not even like really attempting 
but the more I learned about the whole thing, also because I'm international, it was going to be a little bit more complicated. There's going to be very limited schools that I could have applied for. Mm. And even then, obviously, I was not going to put that burden on, on family like, oh, let's pay for my tuition. So it was going to have to be loans. And again, being international, the interest rates were going to be astronomical. crazy. But in, in the meantime, I started working in a lab at, at my undergrad institution. And I enjoyed the camaraderie. I enjoyed just like popping in whenever I have free time right. and then doing a little bit and then leaving. And then if I want to come back, I'll go back to like just a whole structure of kind of having like a make your own schedule, like having the freedom to to really work when you want and then learning about, you know, different projects. I was helping a student that was back then doing his master's and just helping him out. I was working with C. Elegance. And Classic. yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a very limited uh, when it comes to resources, that lab was very limited. Mm -hmm. But it showed me that, you know, whenever you really like something and you try to do something, you have to do whatever, like the most of it with whatever you have. Right. And then through collaborations and stuff, we would go to like a bigger school and they would have a, a bigger microscope, a confocal microscope. And so like little by little, I got um, more familiar with just the research side of science, which in Guatemala, honestly, if you want to do anything with science, you're either going to be a doctor, like an MD or a vet. Mm. And like that's science or wow. you might teach it in high school or whatever. Right. So I really didn't know about this whole other side. I honestly had no idea. When, when I started working and, and, you know, getting to know people and talking to people and I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like talking with other scientists and sort of the lab environment of like the collaboration and also like, I'm trying to think of the word for this, but almost like the, what's not like a brain meld, but like where everyone comes together and they're just like talking about ideas right. and they're able to test that out. And it is that flexibility of like popping in, someone's doing something, I can learn something, I can engage with this. And again, that creativity piece of like, you can not really, but you can kind of do anything within reason. Yeah. And see what goes down. I think that that is such a similar journey for so many people. I was also pre-med, thought I wanted to be a psychiatrist. I learned what psychiatrists did. I was like, I don't want to be a psychiatrist. <laughs> and then I like almost passed out watching my boyfriend get a nerve block once. And I was like, no, I wow. <laughs> can't do it. But I kept the major because I got an A minus in organic chemistry. And I was like, I can't drop it now. Like I've done it. That I yeah, you got through the toughest part. Yeah, I was like, I can't, I can't do it now. Like, I have to finish. So I eventually decided on the PhD with psychology and, you know, blending the two worlds. But very similar experience that I had where I was just doing the psychology labs to, like, bolster my med school apps. And then I was like, wait, this is way better than the bio yeah. lab I'm in. And so very similar experience. And I think a lot of people who sort of unfold out of this like undergrad to med school pathway, if you will, land where we land. Because in as many ways as academia is toxic and awful and all of these things, there is this like really beautiful part of it that everyone likes, which is that we really come together, collaborate with each other, hang out, talk science all day long. And it's fun. And I think you've really spoken to like the piece of it that's fun. Yeah. Like you said, like the reason why I was working in lab in the first place was to make it look good on my resume. Yeah. But then, you know, I was able to do like a, a legit summer internship. I got to go to UCLA. Ooh. And that was just like, 
a whole new because that's when I really I saw you know yeah. what a what a funded lab looks like. I mean, yeah, they got money. Uh, they got money, money. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I'm I'm in from from that moment. Yeah, and it, so. I, you know, I'm hearing your story about like part of the reason that you also didn't choose med school was like the burden on your family financially and and burden on yourself, right? If it wasn't yeah. on them, it was going to be loans and interest rates. Did you have any other like major roadblocks leading up to grad school? Anything that you were really like, can I even do this? Like, is this even possible for me? So <clears throat> I knew that with grad school, it was going to be different financially. Yeah. So... Um, I like that a lot too, obviously. Right, you get paid. <laughs> but I mean, from from the get go, like when when even going to college, it was the same thing. Like my family's all in Guatemala, mm -hmm. and I wasn't gonna put that on them. Like it was gonna have to be get a really, really, really good scholarship or go back. I would say that was that one was a little bit harder to transition from high yeah. school to college than to co from college to grad school. I'm I'm glad that it worked out and uh, shout out Fisk University and <laughs> hey. they gave me they gave me a great scholarship and I I, awesome. I stayed and and got it done there. But coming to grad school, I think I was more familiar with the area too. So I lived in Cincinnati when I was going to high school. I lived like half an hour out of downtown Cincinnati, and when I came back from grad school here, so I was, I was more familiar. I, yeah. I still had people that I knew, and I oh, still had yeah. some sort of support i guess so that one was a little easier um yeah. when looking for apartments i had like a little bit of an insight kind of knowing where to go do groceries like just knowing a little bit that a lot of other yeah. people especially international students have no idea yeah well you know i've spoken with other international grad students on this podcast i mean you're episode 39 like i've, I've talked to a lot of people and it's interesting hearing i don't want to i don't know if this is tax but it's just like additional pressure maybe to get the scholarship because it's not just oh i can't go this year it might be oh i can't go if i don't get it like this might yeah. be the only you know shot because of timing in life or whatever it might be so there's that additional pressure but just the unfamiliarity like the i don't want to call it culture shock because it's not so much that but just like the culture adjustment i might call it of how much there might be to learn about an area to meet people there things like that in a different country is so different than me moving to a different city in the same country it's interesting hearing you talk about returning to a place you're familiar with because i'm like damn that sounded easier than my move to where i'm mm. at in the state of kentucky so it's it's just interesting to sort of hear that balance but it certainly feels like the pressures that you had in terms of timing for you and figuring out like location and things like that were more because you're an international student and it's kind of like an unfortunate reality for a lot of international students that it is just not as easy as students who are, you know, from the US. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is is just options because I'm on a student visa. So mm -hmm. if I'm not a student, that visa doesn't work. Right. So right. if I wanted to, you know, take a year off and do maybe like uh, work as an RA somewhere, you need a different visa and that needs to be approved. And then right. if you ever want to go back to grad school, then you need to go back to the student visa and that needs to be approved. I think 2021, maybe things are a little bit different, but from 2016 to 2020, there was a little bit of a pushback from, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know if you're why. familiar. What happened? But, yeah, I don't know if you heard. Yeah. but I, You know what? I haven't heard. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it was always like, that was always in my mind. Just yeah. if I don't continue being a student, then I got to go back or, or, I don't know, figure something out. 
Yeah. So that's scary. Uh, it like I guess there was no option of taking a year off between right. undergrad and grad school. So. You know, and it's really interesting because I've had an episode on about gap years, which I'll link below, because when I think about U.S. students taking gap years, it's often seen as it's a privilege to get right into grad school. And the gap year can be annoying for some people, for some people. Yeah. Whereas in your situation, the gap year would have been a privilege, like how nice it would have been to get a second to think. Yeah, but you like, mean backpacking in Europe? Oh, right, or right. Or like, oh, I just, you know, right, exactly. You want to backpack someone, you want a vacation for a year, whatever. Like that is really seen as the privilege because you can't. You don't really have the option of a gap year for fun or for like extra research experience because of how much extra work is visa-wise and the stress, right? If the timing doesn't match up, if they don't approve you, right, there's like an error in something that like your employer submits or whatever, it's on you to deal with. Yeah. Like that, that is very stressful. And I, I don't know how, how I would have done it, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's just like what came to my mind. Like that just sounds super stressful. And thinking about then your story, I'm curious, like, do you have any regrets about your sort of like undergrad to grad school journey? I would have probably enjoyed that last summer a lot more <laughs> like looking Don't back we all, i think we all feel that way because, like what was i doing <laughs> so yeah that summer in between i mean i did you know have a good summer but also there were things that i was like no i gotta you know focus on whatever and even when i started grad school we start in in july and then we do a first rotation before actual classes start wow like july august so even those afternoons when I would leave the lab, I would try to at least like maybe read up on something, whatever. But I should have been out and about because the summer after that, uh, I had already decided and committed to a lab and I had to do a qualifier. So I was really busy with that. And yeah. then the summer after that, the world was closed. Yeah. So this summer, get ready. Yeah, get ready. <laughs> I, okay, I just want to say for everybody listening who is starting grad school in the fall, okay, it's May right now, it'll be June when you're listening to this. If this is the summer before you start grad school, don't do anything related to grad school except like move and have a laptop. Right. I mean, you might have other things, but I, I have not spoken to a single person who was like, I'm so glad I started this six-year journey two months early. No one has ever said that. Here's yeah. the thing, right? Once the train starts rolling, there aren't breaks. And I mean, like, on the train. You have, like, summer break, whatever. Okay, you hear me. The train doesn't stop. Yeah. You don't need to start the train any earlier. The train is leaving in July or the train is leaving in August. Let it leave in July. Let it leave in August. It doesn't need to leave in June. Yeah. And it doesn't need to leave in July if your start date is in August. This, like, once the ball starts rolling, you're going to have a lot to do. And I got to be, this is the other thing. I think a lot of people will start early because they want to, like, rightfully so, impress the PI. They want to make a really good impression. Totally. But let me tell you, no one's going to remember that you did that in three years. No one's going to remember. No one's going to care. You're probably not, probably, not in every case, you're probably not going to get an extra paper out of it. Or something that like really leads into anything, except that your stress will start earlier and you'll look back and regret that you didn't go out, have fun, go to the pool more, whatever it is that yeah. you enjoy in the summer. So if you're about to start grad school, all I want you to do this summer is prepare yourself for your start date, listen to this podcast and have fun. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I know people that 
started with me in my year and still, you know, haven't gone to this very famous, not famous, but like uh, this popular restaurant just because they never got around to it. Like they never got around to getting to know the town or, or whatever. And they're not from here. So they still really don't know. And I'm like, well, that's, yeah, that's a bummer. Like, yeah. You bring in another good point. If you move for grad school early, like June or July is a really common yeah. move date, get to know your city then. Exactly. Find some favorite restaurants, find some favorite bars if you're somebody who drinks, because when life is stressful, right, you can be like, oh, let me go to this restaurant. Let me go to this bar. It was so fun over the summer. I would love to go back, right? If you don't establish yourself in an area before grad school starts, like, I did this. This was my mistake because I moved like two weeks before school started. So I didn't establish myself. It's not, (laughs) this sounds weird. It's like not super fun to try out restaurants all the time. Like sometimes when you're having a rough day and you just want like a comfort meal that you're familiar with. And if you don't have any of that, you're like, I guess, yeah. I guess my comfort food is Wendy's, which like no shade on Wendy's. Wendy's is amazing. It's one of my favorite. Four for four. Oh, don't even get me started on her. Cannot beat it. But like my comfort food to this day is still Chipotle, which is like fine. But when I go home, I have like my favorite diner. And I wish that I had something like that here where it's I like, love oh, a good diner. Yeah. You, gotta, you love a good I diner. I love a good diner. You love a good diner. So like, and I had that at my undergrad, right? So establishing yourself in a, on a personal level in your city, favorite park to walk in, favorite restaurant to go to, favorite bar to go to, favorite club to go to, whatever it is for you that you like, find some favorites over the summer. I'll also say that this sets you up really well for self-care, right? If you're like, oh, I want to go for a good run. Oh, I know a great park for that already. Yeah. Like you're good to go as opposed to like <laughs> what has happened with me where it's like, oh, I want to go for a good run. You go to a park. You think something's a loop. It's not a loop. You have to turn around. There's children running everywhere. It's like that's that's fine if that's what you're looking for. And it wasn't. And then I was right. like annoyed and my self-care wasn't self-care. So I'm going down a rabbit hole. But I feel like you just really sparked that in me of like, not only should you not work that summer, but like get to know where you're living, like make it a home in a sense, because you're going to be there for a long time. Yeah, 100%. Well, we are getting somehow to the end of your episode. I feel like this has been a very wow. fast hour. I know. Yeah. I, you know what? Thank you for saying that because you also felt that way. And I'm like, oh, it's not just me. Who no, can't- for real. Like I was, I, I was planning on saying this at the end. If you ever need a, a guest to like fill in, a- let me know because a- I can just talk. Um, thank you. I'm so glad this has been so enjoyable. And I do want to hear what comes next for you. Like, what is the dream, right? I hate to say this to you. You're going to be a fourth year. You got to start planning for your life now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No pressure. What do you hope to do, though, after the PhD? So I know that I for sure want to do a postdoc. I for sure want to get another round of just being Training. in the lab. Uh, yeah, being in the lab, getting your own paper, having your own project. And I think I said this when I graduated college, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, this is, you know, the whole world is open. I can move anywhere and ended up coming back. Oh my gosh. I talk <laughs> with my partner about this all the time. We're like, we're never moving back to Cleveland. Cleveland sucks. We moved to the state of Kentucky and we're like, when do we move back to Cleveland? Is Case Western, you know, right. are they hiring? Who's hiring where around Cleveland? Like so relatable. Exactly. So <laughs> For my postdoc, I, I definitely hope to move to a new place and sure. you know, start again, whatever. But get that training in. I yeah. really want to maintain the the IPSC part of uh, what I'm doing. I don't think it necessarily has to be in the intestine or it necessarily has to be uh, digestive. 
Right. But I really want to stick with the organ because I think that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome. And I learned about it from you today. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so not only that, but I mean, an international student, I can really like apply for NIH grants and, and a lot of different uh, funding opportunities. So as a postdoc, I think that opens up a little bit more. Mm. Um, and I want to get that training in as well um, that I haven't gotten a chance to. And then from that, I want to decide whether I want to be a PI or not, because I th a lot of being a PI is getting funded. And if I'm not good at that part, then right. I probably won't be good at being a PI. So I want to find that out. And I, I really want to get more into the science communication part, mm. making science relatable, making science digestible. Like, I don't know. You said you watched pun? making mm -hmm. science digestible. Is that it? it is. And now That's it fun. is. That's now great. it is. For, so I don't know if you're familiar with like Bill Simmons, for example, he's um, a huge, huge uh, basketball, basketball guy. Hey, I knew that. Was, yeah, is he, he on the 76ers? Book. So yeah, Ben Simmons. Yeah. Oh my God, I did that. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait to tell my That's boyfriend. Good. Thank you so much. I but, work very like, hard at what I do. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, like I, I watch a lot of basketball and, you know, there's people that have basketball podcasts and kind of make it like compared to movies compared to oh. take it back to whatever. There's this guy that wrote a book of basketball and he came up with like, you know, if, if you make make basketball in the fast and furious, who's the getaway driver, <sighs> who's whatever, whatever. So like, if there's any way to do that with science, Ooh. which I mean, I have no idea. I have some like ideas of like titles of whatever, like a column kind of thing. Yeah, I have that. You but should do it. It's a stretch, it, you and it's know a what? very niche group of people that would understand it. <sighs> I but, you know, there's any way to do that. I would. That would be like honestly. I don't think it's a niche group because if you have something, right, like Fast and Furious, right? People already relate yeah. to basketball, but if you have something that is super relatable to people all of a sudden that niche turns into broad yeah. audience i think that that is such a cool idea i feel like that is such a cool way to communicate science and it it kind of reminds me of what i usually do at the beginning of episodes because when guests explain their science to me partially out of respect partially because i'm a curious scientist i like to really understand what they're talking about what they're doing which is why i made like three or four comparisons of like oh so it's like it's like this thing yeah, oh so yeah. it's like that thing and I've had people who listen to the podcast say, I love when you do that because then I understand it better. So I think your idea is great. I also want to say, anyone who's listening, you can't steal this now. Uh, oh, we just copyrighted shoot. it for yeah, Guillermo. True. He copyrighted do it just now. We have legal proof. If this is ever shown in a court case. Yeah. Now or if you, you know, do, at least like partner up. Or yeah. Something. Or like just like pay him generally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's such a cool idea. I think you should go for it. As somebody who's started I mean, a podcast in quarantine, do your thing. <laughs> like, I got to sit down, put the time in. I get it. Um, and I don't know when that's going to happen. So. Sure. On the drive, you know, on your drives to and from the lab, just like turn on your voice recorder and like make Ooh, notes to yourself. Yeah, that's good. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I got a great you. idea. <laughs> um, but overall, like the communication side, even if mm -hmm. I eventually, you know, get to be a PI, whatever, yeah. I really want to work on that because I saw it happen so much with the vaccine and it was ridiculous like i have people that you know i thought were educated yes uh, don't we they, all haven't we all been rethinking oh people in our lives like oh <laughs> they're like they're using human fetuses for the vaccines i'm like mm. 
And like as a stem cell guy, you like really know what they're not oh, doing. Oh, as a stem cell guy, <laughs> I have gone into arguments with my mother because she says, mm-hmm. oh, the, the priest said this. And I'm like, Haha, he can take Ooh, a yikes. walk. That's hard. So, I mean, it's not a fight, but it's just No, kind of... no, no. But it's like, how frustrating that, like, you have to... Yeah, I enjoy... I, I enjoy... Actually, that's... Argument. I was going to say, that's actually I enjoy a good thing. argument. Because I know I'm right, too. You're and right. I have some evidence. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. I can be like, oh, you read that paper? And he'd be like, no. <laughs> Let me pull out my no. receipts. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, I enjoy that. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I saw the lack of communication. And it's not just the general public's fault. It's also the academia or the people publishing Mm -hmm. to make it very not only exclusive like there's paywalls there's like if in a title you see protein couple receptor 114 like who's gonna read that right only the people who study that one thing and then the language they use is like academic writing language which only academics read and respect (laughs) right that's why I think it's a great idea. Uh, if you ever do that, let me know, and I'll just like share it all over the internet. Uh, That'll be awesome. I'm yeah. a huge fan. Yeah, just let me know. I'll be here. Uh, but we are at the end of the episode. But of course, before we end, I end all of my episodes with final thoughts. And I like to say that only my favorite 50% of listeners are still listening at this part of the episode, which like, hey, favorite 50%, love to see you. Um, which like, by the way, I know this from Apple Podcasts, analytical, whatever. So like, I know. So for those favorite 50%, for the people who followed us on this journey of this episode, I like to give people takeaways. I like to give them things to remember from the episode, you know, because it's hard to remember an hour of content, but it's really easy to remember a couple of bullet points. So if you were to give some people some takeaways, either from your journey or for things that we've talked about today, what would you want people to remember to take into their everyday life from your episode? What are your final thoughts? So final thoughts. Yes. Follow me on Twitter. Hey, you know uh, what? Say that. <laughs> I am so for that. Also, organoids are the future. Oh. And if you have a summer before grad school, if you have any time before grad school, enjoy it. And if you have time during grad school, then you enjoy can enjoy it. I know people that legit don't take breaks. When they like could, yeah. It's, it's not that PI is gonna be like you can't, but you know, try to give yourself a break and uh, enjoy. Because you know, we may all the world might end twenty thirty, and then that PhD right. gonna do much. Yeah, I love those <laughs> final thoughts. Terrible, but I know. No, it sounds terrible. It's like it's kind of real, honestly. So I think I actually announced this in my last episode, so the one that just came out, which is that. The podcast is taking a break over the summer. And it sounds counterintuitive because I have a lot more time over the summer. And despite that, I am still choosing to take the break because I really want to A, not get burnt out, and B, I'm able to. And so I'm going to. So for anyone listening, I am also trying to demonstrate what I preach all the time on this podcast, which is like, take breaks, take time off. Like, you don't owe anyone an apology unless you're like literally not getting your work done. Like, maybe you have something else going on, like, figure that out. But like, I am taking a break from this podcast and I like I've given explanations as to why, but I don't owe anybody an explanation. Like I need a break and I love this podcast and I want to keep loving it. And in order to do that, I need a quick summer break to like recoup and, you know, get reorganized. And that's okay. Like do that with grad school to talk to your PI. Don't just like drop out of the face of the earth. But I love that takeaway. Enjoy the time that you have in grad school and enjoy your summers when you're able to. And you don't need to feel guilty about that. Like you might. 
but you don't need to. I'm taking a break. It sounds like you're taking time. Even when you need to check your cells every day, right. you still take time off after that. So great takeaway to take time off. I think the other one is, I, I it's just like another reminder to US-based students how much pressure international students have. And just like, this is your dear grad student reminder to like, see what the international grad student in your lab needs. Like, do they just need like a home cooked meal? Do they just like want to hang out? Like spend time with people, please. My God, they're in a different country. Like that was extremely hard for me when I lived in a different country. So just your daily reminder to like support your fellow student. And then my other takeaway, <laughs> I was thinking about what you said about how like organoids are the future. And I'm still obsessed that you, your number one takeaway is follow me on Twitter. Like, honestly, I love that self. Uh, yeah, like, maybe I should it? switch the rank. No, no, no. I love we'll it. Edit no. That. We'll edit that. There's no regrets to be had. I think that was fantastic. But just thinking about like stem cell research and organizing and things like that, just how freaking cool science is. Like that's a takeaway I have. Yeah. It reminds me of what you said too about like really spending the time you have in those first rotations, even if it's like not a thing you're going to land on, that like it's just cool to learn about science, gain some research tips and tricks. So if you are somebody who's starting in fall or maybe you're listening to this and you're in your first rotation and it's August or September, use this time, enjoy it because it's the only time that you're going to be doing this in grad school. Even if you already know what you want to do, like allow yourself to keep an open mind because you may gain something, even if it's not the research interest that is invaluable to your future grad school experience. So those would be my takeaways, which I really copied half of yours, and I kind of do this every episode, but you had really good ones, so I hope it's okay. Yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> well, let's make sure we can remind everybody listening where they can find you on social media. So, Guillermo, where can they find you online? Um, yeah, mainly on Twitter. Like I said, I have the more academic account. It is hey. uh, G-U-I-L-L-E-R-M-0-S-A-N-C-H-Z. Yes. And as a reminder, that will be linked in the description. If you've enjoyed our talk today, go give him a follow. Plus, it was his number one takeaway. I'm not. That was honestly, I need to start being that. Like, I need that energy to just be like, y'all just follow me on Twitter. Or I got to be a little bit more humble. There might be a balance, but I'm still living for it. Like, honestly, get it. I'm obsessed with it. But with that... We are all done. Thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you for coming on and chatting with me and laughing. I feel like we laughed a ton this episode. So thanks for coming on and having a great, you know, spending your Sunday morning with me. This was really fun. Thanks. Yeah, it was really fun. Amazing. Well, Guillermo, for the millionth time, thank you so much for coming on and being a guest. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you next week for the season finale. Hashtag bye. If you're looking for more ways to connect with your grad student, well, you have come to the right place. Welcome to the outro. You can check the podcast out at the podcast website, all made possible by podcast patrons at deargradstudent.com. You can also find the podcast on Twitter at deargradstudent, on Instagram at deargradstudentpod, and automated closed captionings for some episodes can be found on YouTube by searching Dear Grad Student Podcast. If you would like to join the wonderful group of people supporting the podcast on Patreon and be part of the shout out next week, you can go to patreon.com slash deargradstudent. We are only a few patrons away from 20 and I'm freaking out about it. If you just want to connect with me online, you can find me on Twitter at Alana underscore Gloger. That's E-L-A-N-A underscore G-L-O- 
G-E-R. And if you like what you heard, you can now tell everybody that you know about the podcast. Send them straight to the new website at deargradstudent.com. Or you can check out the podcast merch store on Redbubble, buy merch, and advertise the show without ever talking to someone. And if you can, please rate, review, and follow Dear Grad Student on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or, you know, wherever you find your other favorite shows. As a reminder, all resources and links mentioned in today's episode can be found in the description. And until next time, warmest regards, best wishes, sincerely, Alana. Thank you.